Hello and welcome in everyone to another week of the Omni Sports Basketball and Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Labita, and we're just gonna we're just gonna jump right into it. We have two sponsors this week. Our first sponsor this week is Times Person of the Year. No, I'm not talking about Taylor Swift, because I'm not talking about Times Person of the Year in 2023. Times Person of the Year for 2006 is you the consumers and creators of user-generated content who are transforming the information age. From YouTube this year to MySpace, individuals all across the planet were changing the way we do business, changing the way we perceive each other, changing the way we perceive the war. They were a vessel to all the most important stories of the year. I'm talking about Times Person of the Year in 2006, which if you didn't know, was you. That's right, in 2006, you, every single listener, one times person of the year. And you're our sponsor for this week. We like to do things for our sponsors and I like to do things for all of you. So I just want to say thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, following this season of basketball if you're, or if this is your first episode. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, in the spirit of the holidays, the one thing I could ask, which would be a beautiful present, is if you could tell your friends, rate this podcast wherever you're listening. Give it whatever you think it should be, but five out of five stars is probably what it should be. Just saying. And if you want me to talk about anything on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to me on Gmail at Omnisports423 at gmail.com. But without further ado, let's get to our second sponsor of the week, and that's sports on major holidays. When it comes to Christmas, we see basketball taking the show, uh, having games all day long we'll talk about those basketball games next week uh that happen on christmas but isn't it lovely to be able to ignore your family for sports i think so i'm joking that's just a joke please spend time with your family on holidays unless they're terrible then please don't this week's episode we're gonna do a new installment of uh, bobby is a dum-dum we're gonna talk about my three storylines of the week we're going to be looking at team stats this week. Normally at this time of the podcast, we would look at specific players and fantasy stats. But I want to look at team stats because I did a deep dive this week on a particular team, which you'll hear about my storylines of the week. And that led me to geeking and nerding out about different stats that I think would help explain basketball and the season of basketball uh, better. Next, we'll talk about some different fantasy strategy. And last, we're going to talk about the Kawhi and Friends League and what that will look like for this podcast going forward. It's a story of courage and heroism. Of heart-pounding suspense. Storylines of the Week. It's been painful in the last minute or so, Gregory. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at some of the things that will prove to be a bit of a silver lining for the Pistons. The 117 they've given up is a, is a better defensive total than we've seen in the past. They've been giving up over 130, but their turnovers tonight, 21 of them have been just disastrous. And violation and 9.7 oh, left. No. Boy, here we go. Sell the team, they're saying. What you just heard there were Detroit Pistons fans screaming, sell the team. And uh, this is not one of those things uh, that's ever good for you to hear as a sports uh, franchise is when your fans are screaming for you to sell the team. 
And the reason that these fans want the Pistons to sell the team is that they have lost 26 games in a row, which ties the longest losing streak in a single season by any NBA team in history. If they don't win by December 30th, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, so that may be in the past, but if they don't win by December 30th, they will beat the all-time record losing streak in the NBA, which was held by the Sixers over two different seasons. So um, potentially, depending how you view this record as a single season stat, uh, if they lose their next game, they break the record. If you view it as just a franchise stat, then you need two more losses to tie and then a third to break the record. Um, and this led me into a deep dive this week into wondering how can the Pistons be this bad? Oh, you're so bad. Best thing I ever had. In a world called man. You're so bad. How can they lose 26 games in a row? Last podcast, when I had noted they had lost 22, I was surprised because I was like, why is no one talking about this? This feels like it's about to break a record. And I was on the forefront of that tsunami because this has been the most uh, talked about story of this past week. Pretty much everyone in uh, I and the sports world did uh, the Scooby-Doo what? where we weren't paying attention and now it's all we're talking about and unfortunately for the pistons you even have their opponents saying yeah we see their streak and we are playing them harder because we don't want to be the team that loses that streak so the pistons are in a terrible situation for multitude of reasons first they have this losing streak second they have a brand new coach who has been hired for you know a long time five six years uh, at a a lot of money. He's one of the most highest paid coaches of the year. Um, and he they've lost all these games in a row. And what's really hard for the Pistons is on paper, they actually have a lot of talent. And I went through and I watched not all, but I've watched a lot of highlights of Pistons games during this losing streak, maybe the first half of this losing streak. And in singular plays, you just see a lot of talent, but they aren't a team that plays cohesively um, and their morale is just demolished. And I don't blame them, but unfortunately, they're a young team. They're really feeling these losses. And what makes this really sad is that in the history of professional sports, which I will talk about in a future podcast, a separate special podcast about the Pistons suckage, because I did so much research, is that when you look at the biggest losers in history, there's almost always a reason that makes a lot of sense. And what I mean by that is the team is either intentionally losing because they're trying to get better draft picks. We've seen this in a couple of sports or it's circumstantial, like the team is a brand new franchise and typically brand new franchises suck at first until you've been in the league long enough to draft and have veterans and stuff like that. And granted, when you get a new franchise, you can get veterans from other teams, but it's just not the same because you're just kind of plucking people and putting them on a new squad. Um, but what makes this Pistons team so sad is they shouldn't be trying to tank. Most of their players are early draft picks from the last few years. And again, on paper, this should be a really good team. They have a lot of talented players. Um, when I watched their highlights, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of good stuff here. But they can just never put it together. And I think the stats bear this out. Some of the biggest stats that show why the Pistons are losing so much 
is that the Pistons have the worst turnover differential in the league compared to their opponents. So they're turning the ball over. They are getting the ball stolen from them more than their opponents than any other uh, team. And they also have the biggest foul differential in the league. Foul differential means in a singular game, they are roughly getting four and a half more fouls than their teams. And fouls don't necessarily translate to free throws, but they can. And so um, those things combined with the fact that Pistons are the worst three-point team in the league in terms of how many they make, how many they shoot, their percentage. All of this has led to a team that's undisciplined, can't really keep it together uh, for a whole game. Maybe they have stretches where they're really good for a period and then they slowly end up finding a way to lose every game. Um, And uh, if you're a Pistons fan, I just want to say I'm sorry. Uh, It's kind of fun and novel to watch a team lose as much as they are. And it's unfortunate that it's the way this is happening, that they're getting a lot of attention brought on themselves. The last team that really lost a lot, like I mentioned earlier, the 76ers in 2014, 2015 era, when they were really trying to tank, you knew why they were losing. They were trying to lose. So even as a 76ers fan, then you could be like, I trust the process. We're going to figure this out. But if you're a Detroit Pistons fan, I'm Cornelius. I live in North Carolina and I'm afraid of my own screen. Honestly, I, I, I view being a Detroit Pistons fan as the least enviable position as a basketball fan right now. Cause I don't know what you look forward to. Cause your team is young. You have an expensive coach. Uh, the team doesn't work together. You can trade pieces away, but that doesn't fix the coach situation. Um, and that doesn't fix the losing culture that's been in Detroit for a long time, which is unfortunate because the Pistons, you know, were once a uh, very strong franchise, consistent contenders in the East and, you know, have multiple championships to prove that uh, the 2004 Pistons absolutely dominated the Lakers in the finals. And that was, you know, we're talking about Kobe Shaq era Lakers. And so you can see that. The once bad boy Pistons are just bad. Ja Morant is back, and in his first game back, he won the game with a buzzer beater at the end. The script writers couldn't have done a better job at writing the script for Ja's return, and I think basketball is just better when Ja's back. He plays with an energy and intensity that few players do, and he has a unique style upon himself. I, you know, I feel like if there is a way to somehow just put a generic looking person and, but they were still doing Jaws moves. I'd be like, Oh, that person plays like Jaws. Like it's a very distinct style. Of course, it's a little um, emotionally confusing when a player comes back from suspension, when they come back from injury, I think pretty much all fans are like, yeah, do great. Uh, But when you have someone like Jaws who's coming back for suspension because of multiple incidences related to guns and, threatening people and just dumb tomfoolery um, is that you're excited, but you're also like, remember, there's a reason they weren't playing is because they were suspended. However, I think the Grizzlies um, 
and the league are better when the Grizzlies are good and the Grizzlies are better when Jaws on the team. So I think if you are a fan of basketball in the long run, this is a good thing because what Jaw can do on a court, uh, honestly, I don't think many other people can do because like I said, he's got this unique, aggressive, bouncy style um, that provides a lot of energy. And we saw that in his first game back. Six foot four out of Michigan. Dub Nation, let's welcome back a member of the Warriors 2022 championship team. Number 13, Jordan. Ooh. Our next storyline also has to do with returning back, not returning back to the sport of basketball, but returning back to your old team. This week, Jordan Poole and the Wizards face the Golden State Warriors in Golden State. And the Warriors made sure to have a video montage for Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole is actually led to the Warriors locker room after the game by Gary Payton II. And it seemed like all vibes were good, which is kind of really surprising. Um, I think the Warriors without Draymond seem a lot more relaxed as a team. Um, I think that makes sense when you have someone like Draymond who's being unhinged. That's kind of stressful. Um, but the fact that Poole was kind of brought back and talked to and the Warriors team seemed ex actually excited to talk to him and it didn't seem insincere. Um, I don't think that happens if Draymond's not suspended. So uh, thank you to the NBA suspending <laughs> Draymond long enough that Jordan Poole could be welcome back. Because as Steph Kerr said after the, the meeting was that, you know, Jordan Poole's career was very successful in the Warriors and um you know, kind of this is me talking is I think people forget that with how it ended, um, which often happens with sports is we remember the last thing, but not the totality. And in totality, Jordan Poole helped the Warriors win their last championship. And that can't be denied. If you're denying that, then you are just not paying attention to what happened that postseason. Uh, so, Jordan, I hope you're able to put those things past you, not just for the sake of my fantasy team, but I think um Players are often malattributed to being problems when they're not. And if he was the problem, then the Warriors would be doing better this year than they were. Um, but I think it goes to show there are other problems besides him. Bobby is a dum-dum. Bobby is a dum-dum. Bobby is dum this week in Bobby is a dum-dum is sort of a presumptive Bobby is a dum-dum because this week I, your boy, is entering the prediction game. Normally a lot of sports talk will, will give predictions and I haven't done that so much, but I'm going to do that. But where I'm going to be different than I think a lot of other people's, I will actually hold myself accountable. And at the end of the year, I will give myself a grade on my predictions. One issue I have with a lot of sports media and hot take culture, I don't mind the hot takes. I just don't like that there's no accountability held for any hot takes and sometimes hot takes can really change how we perceive a player or the narratives around players and i don't think that's cool without accountability so this week i'm going to give my predictions for which will be the top six seeds coming out of the east 
I pick six because those are the ones that don't have to deal with the play in tournament. And, you know, I think that can get harder to predict. Um, and then next week, I will talk about the Western Conference. So looking at the standings for the end of the year, if I had to predict and put money, please don't put money based off of my bets. That's way too much pressure for me. But if I had to predict seeds, uh, I'm going to start with the sixth seed and work my way up. I think the sixth seed at the end of this season will be the Orlando Magic, which are currently the fourth seed. They're currently 17 and 11. Um, of the top six seeds in the East, they have the worst last 10 of uh, going four and six, which isn't too bad over their last 10. Still not great. The reason I think they will drop and a couple other teams will rise is just that they're young. However, I think the Magic are incredibly talented. They have an incredibly big roster. I think they can do some really interesting things, uh, but I think they will fall a little bit. Uh, but rising in my predictions, I have the fifth seed of the New York Knicks. They're currently the sixth seed, so I think they'll just go up a little bit. And the reason I think the Knicks will go up as opposed to down is I think that the Knicks have experienced players. Jalen Brunson looks like not even an all-star this year, but potentially an all-NBA um, candidate, which I think is really cool. And um, I kind of saw him taking this leap last year but i didn't expect he would become this uh, the reason the knicks are not higher for me is i think outside of jalen brunson julius randall is really inconsistent you have mitchell potentially out for the year and so you're starting a backup center a lot of the time and so i think the knicks will are good enough to kind of stay in the middle but not necessarily good enough to uh, leapfrog anyone my fourth seed is going to be the Miami Heat. They're currently the fifth seed, so I think they'll rise a little bit. The reason I think the Heat will rise is even though they have injuries, A, this team is really well coached and they're so experienced when it comes to uh, stepping up when they need to. We've seen this the last few seasons uh, by, you know, they've been able to make it to the finals and make it make deep playoff runs. But I think that their uh, rookie, Jaime Jaquez Jr., is going to be a, potentially a difference maker that keeps them up while uh, Bam is injured and while they're dealing with these other injuries. And my other, if I had to do another hot take, oh, hot, 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 is I think Jaime may get higher. I think he will beat either Victor or Chet in the um, rookie of the year. That would be my hot take is I think he'll beat one of them. I won't say who, but um, I think he will beat one of them and end up being the second. But my prediction for third is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. They're currently in the second seed. I think they will drop down a little bit. I think with their acquisition of Dame Lillard, I think Dame is amazing, and him and Giannis will figure out in those crunch moments in the playoffs. However, I could see for a regular season run that they may drop down a little bit. I could see them having some losses here or there or having, you know, some more sitting happen towards the end of the year. And also, I do think they lose, uh, lost a lot of depth with Drew Holiday, and I think that will bite them in the butt. My second seed uh, prediction is going to be the 76ers, who are currently the third seed. I think Joel Embiid is playing better than he did last year when he won MVP. I think Nick Nurse is a better coach. Uh, than Doc Rivers. And so I think the 76ers are just going to take a leap that we have not seen them take. Um, and uh, I think Tyrese Maxey, despite his last game, I think he will keep 
being a great player and they are just playing like a good team. And uh, this team has the highest point differential in the league, meaning per game, the Sixers are beating other teams by more points than any other team in the league. And so I think they'll keep that up. I don't know if they'll uh, be able to keep it up well enough to maintain uh, to get to the first seed, which is why I have them as the second seed, because I think the best team in basketball. Don't do this. No, fuck you. I would do this. Fuck you. I would do this. Fuck you, Dolly, motherfucker. No, don't do this. And the first seed at the end of the year in the East is going to be the Boston Celtics. No, God. No, God, please, no. 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 And uh, this hurts me to say, uh, my a couple friends of and I, Kenny and Rashi, shout out to uh, members of Quine Friends uh, Fantasy League and listeners of this podcast. We went to a Clippers Celtics game this past Saturday, and uh, well, it was depressing if you were rooting for the Clippers, which uh, we were. Well, two of us were. I won't say who was being a neutral fan and just just gonna be happy no matter who wins. Kenny, pick a side, Kenny. God damn it. Kenny. Um, but I think you can see that the Celtics are just a super well-run team. The front office did an amazing job with the trades and acquisitions they did this year to put people together that just fit. Um, I think you don't have too many overlaps in skill sets and you have a diversity of players and abilities. And I think that this is just a well-run team. Um, you know, how will they do those crunch time moments in the playoffs? You know, the last couple of years, they've been inconsistent, the Celtics. But if there is a year to think that the Celtics could really, really do it again, you know, make it to the finals, you know, because it's been so long, a whole two years, uh, I could totally see them in the finals. And if I had to predict a finals uh, team from the East, it would be any of the top three teams. I think those are like a tier above uh, the rest of the team. All right, in this segment, doing a deeper dive about the basketball teams. Normally around this time, I do something related to statistics. It could be about particular players, but I think sometimes it's great to do about particular teams. And so what I wanted to talk about um, are three stats that I think can give a good encapsulation of how teams look. So I'm going to talk about offensive rating, defensive rating, and point differential. Um, offensive rating is simply the average of how many points you score in a, in a game. And defensive rating is an average of how many points your opponent scores in a game. So obviously you want to score more points than your opponent because um, that's how uh, the game works. So I want to highlight the top five in each category team. So when you're thinking about teams identities, right, you can think about where uh, they stack. So when we talk about the Pacers, who are the best offensively rated team at 126 and a half points, you might be like, oh my God, they're the best offensively rated team. But then when you look, they are also the second worst defensive rated team at giving up 125 points. And so that's why their record is currently 500. Um, but starting in fifth, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder with a uh, offensive rating of 120, uh, 120.7. Uh, Shea is, I think, the big reason for this. Um, honorable mention, just right behind you have the Celtics in six, with just uh, 0.6 lower. In fourth, you have the Sixers at 122 points per game. In third, you have the Atlanta Hawks with 122 points per game. Um, 
So, uh, they Hawks are really good with Trey Young uh, leading the offense. They're just not as good at defense all the time. In second, you have the Bucks at 124 and a half per game. And in first, you have, like I mentioned before, the Pacers, a whole two points more at 126 and a half per game. Um, those are your best offenses in terms of defenses. So your fifth best defense, you have the Orlando Magic at 110.4 per game that they're giving up. And fourth, you have the Denver Nuggets at 110.2. And third, you have the Celtics, who are 109.9 in terms of how many points they're giving up. And of course, these are going to be descending because you want to give up less points. In second, you have maybe what could, would be a surprise at the beginning of the year. You have the Houston Rockets, 107.7 points per game. And your best defensive team, and if you've been paying attention to basketball this season, may not be a surprise, you have your Minnesota Timberwolves at 106.6 per game. And so you see, like, the Rockets and Timberwolves are a tier above those other teams in terms of defense. Of course, uh, basketball is a team sport, so it's not just offense, it's not just defense. Uh, but you can see how there's a combination of all of these teams are good, but maybe for different reasons. But now into point differential, I'm going to do again the top five. And these are teams that are just uh, beating the snot out of teams when they're beating them. So this stat looks at how many points you win by per average. I'll give a couple honorable mentions. In seventh as an honorable mention, you have the Clippers at 4.0. I think when they've been uh, beating teams, they've really been beating them out of the water recently. Um, minus that Celtics game. In six, you have the Nuggets, uh, who are uh, 4.9, winning by 4.9 points per game. Now your top five, you have the Milwaukee Bucks, who are winning by 5.4 points per game. You have the Timberwolves, who are winning by 6.9 points per game. Nice. You have the Thunder, who are winning by 7 points per game. And then you have a huge break in the top two teams, which are the Celtics, who are winning by 10.1 points per game, and the Sixers, who are winning by 10.7 points per game. Uh, to be average winning above, you know, uh, double digits per game is absolutely wild. Um, so one thing to pay attention to when you're looking at teams that are successful, um, they are usually really good in one category or pretty decent in both. Uh, as you heard, I don't think there is a there wasn't a single team that I mentioned in top five for both categories. The closest you have the Celtics, who are third in defense and sixth in offensive rating which is probably also why they have the best uh, record throughout the, throughout the league. And so um, point differential, if you ever hear that term or offensive rating, that's what those terms mean. And I think are a really nice way to look past just beyond uh, winning percentage. Uh, sometimes winning percentage can give you a false sense of how good a team is. Um, kind of this whole point and, you know, something to think about when it comes to fantasy is that numbers tell part of the story and of course i'm solving that part of the story by looking at more numbers it's numbers all the way down folks and it's never gonna stop one two three one four million and one one million and two okay um let's talk fantasy strategy folks now when it comes to fantasy basketball i think we often draft and we pick people because we like them or we've seen something on the court that looks good or exciting. But we also need to pay attention to the fact that um, 
basketball teams have different schedules. And so I encourage you to do this on two fronts. First, pay attention to what teams are doing well. There's a reason I talk about standings every week in a podcast that talks about fantasy sports is that towards the end of the year, and unfortunately we're seeing this even now with some teams, you're going to have teams that are tanking, which means they're trying to lose because they think they'll get a better draft spot or increase the chances that they'll get, they'll get a better draft spot. And so they'll start sitting their star players. So if you've got really good players on bad teams, pay attention to their minutes as they may slowly drop off throughout the year. Hopefully that's not the case. On the flip side, Bad players on bad teams may also start get, getting more minutes or a starting role and become fantasy relevant. So that swings both ways when it comes to tanking. Um, if you look at the games played or the minutes played for some teams last year, especially in March, you'd be like, what? They were playing that person all the time. Um, and it's because we often forget. Um, and second is start paying attention to your fantasy basketball playoff schedule. Certain teams will have more advantageous playoff schedules because they either play more games certain weeks or they play worse opponents. So start thinking about that when it comes to trades is right. Maybe you want to trade a player uh, who is doing well now, but only has two games the week of your fantasy basketball championship. And also pay attention to when your playoffs are. Uh, many leagues have different settings and different exact weeks that they start. And so just make sure you're not caught with uh, metaphorically your pants down um, because you are ill prepared for the playoffs. Of course, this can be difficult because you got to first get into the playoffs before you can worry about playoff schedules. But as you venture forth in your fantasy journey, I hope that's the next step that you take this season is paying attention to tanking teams and what schedules exist for different uh, different teams. All right, for my Kauaian folks, specific friends, I just wanted to put on your radar, I'm going to start including in the show notes on Spotify or wherever you get listen to this podcast, a Google folder which will have a recording of me talking about the Fantasy Basketball League. But as this podcast is growing and I've heard from some folks uh, that are in the league and not in the league that they that the content since it's for such a specific few that might be better served placed somewhere else so for all my client friends fantasy league go of goers <laughs> competitors don't worry i will still talk about the league i'll give the weekly winners and the fantasy power rankings for the season um, but i will just include that in a link in the show notes that will take you to a google drive that will be recording of that so hopefully that change is uh, not uh, met with a lot of animosity. Uh, this is something that uh, has been asked by for a few people and I think makes sense for the longevity of this podcast. But don't worry, you'll still get that content. It will just come in a different way. All right, y'all, please. Thank you so much. Please don't forget that you are the sponsor this week because without you, um, I would just be screaming into a void, which is kind of what I do on a daily basis anyway. So it's just nice to know that someone is listening. And thank you for being that person who's listening. Happy holidays and have a safe and wonderful day. Thank you.